Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host, with another fantastic interview. But firstly, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the likes, the shares, the ratings, the reviews, all of the stuff that you continue to give. I really do appreciate it, and it's one of the reasons why I keep turning up to bring interviews like the one that we have today to you. Now, who have we got today? A very special young man indeed, a sporting professional, and he is a sporting professional with the wonderful NRL outfit, the Melbourne Storm, last year's premiership winning team, a member of that team, a member of last year's Queensland State of Origin squad, a young man who loves his golf, is a developing golfer, but a very, very accomplished front rower in the Melbourne Storm outfit. It's the white rhino himself, Christian Welsh. Yes, it can only be the one if you're calling him the white rhino, the big fella. Now, fantastic young fella. I love every opportunity that I get to spend in the company of Christian because, you know, there's a multiplicity of layers to Christian. He is a sporting professional. He is a very, very generous human being with his time and his consideration for the uh, things that he's involved with in and around the club, outside of the club. A student studying at the highest level at the moment and just one of those guys that just loves his golf. And that's why I sort of gravitate towards uh, liking Christian so much because he loves his golf. He finds the game intriguing. As I said before, he's developing. Um, there's a number of players down there at the Melbourne Storm who love their golf and, and Christian likes to uh, give as good as he gets. You know, he might not be the number one golfer in the Melbourne Storm outfit, but uh, he might be very much number one in the banter department. Anyway, this week, Christian Welsh, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the chat with Christian. And we'll see you next time on the My Love of Golf podcast. Christian Welsh, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, mate? Ross, thanks for having me on, mate. I've uh, uh, already got booked around a golf tomorrow, so I'm excited, mate, to be talking golf because I'm, I'm fired up to play tomorrow. Mate, uh, well, you've you spent uh, the last couple of weeks getting prepared for it. Uh, we've recently had your uh, your weapons of choice in for some new grips. Uh, what else did we do? You know, we, we got maybe a new bag. New bag. New bag. Yeah, more of a psychological thing, I think, and, and especially those grips, I think. That'll make a massive difference. I think that's the reason I was hitting um, 110 uh, most days I play. So I think the grips will it should take me down to about 70 or 80 uh, for the round. And uh, and if it doesn't, I'll, I'll be taking them back, mate, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we're hoping for good things tomorrow. Well, there's no harm in setting your expectations pretty high because you are a high <laughs> achiever, uh, Christian, and uh, and we'll get to talking about some of your achievements in your chosen professional sport in the world of NRL, rugby league, as, as I grew up knowing it and uh, as you've made a wonderful uh, and are making a wonderful career out of it. We'll talk a bit more about golf. Um, so you've got this round tomorrow. Who's who's on board for tomorrow? Who was, what happens? Does the phone ring straight away? We're on, boys, or what? Yeah, we're in the, in the lockers because uh, um, we were lucky to be able to keep training um, throughout the lockdown so we're in an Amy Park today and um, yeah I think a few of the golf heads kind of looked at each other and say boys uh, you know we're on we're, we're going to have a hit tomorrow with the day off so um, yeah we'll be taking a, a bit of cash off Karen Munster and Jerome Hughes tomorrow we're playing a bit of a uh, best ball Ambrose which is good for me because um, I only hit the ball half decent every kind of second third shot so uh, but good format for me Ross and uh, quietly compliment So how will you play that format what, what will you play? Uh, we'll play kind of $10 a hole yep. uh, for a pair and 
we don't play we don't uh, play halves, so we'll play that. It just keeps jackpotting. So um, you know, if you draw the first eight holes, the the ninth hole could be worth ninety bucks, and, yeah. and you could be unlucky to to play terrible on that and lose it, and then win every other hole in the day. Um, and what are you playing so, like an Ambrose, where you both both hit and then you know take yeah. shot for shot, or you just what do you, how how what format do you play? Uh, no, I just just play the best ball and have to take minimum six drives. Yeah, okay. uh, from each partner. So yeah, it's a bit it's a bit basic. We haven't really got onto the stable fit and handicaps because we're not really members or anything. We're still pretty uh, uh, young in our golfing um, you know careers. So yeah, it's a bit simple doing that way. No, well, yeah, you say that, but you've been playing the game for a while, and yeah, you know, the, the the predominant thing is that you do it for fun and you're having fun. And tomorrow sounds like it's going to be unbelievable fun. Now, who's your partner for tomorrow? Uh, David Roach, he's kind of a staff member that, that helps out. Um, yeah, so he, he's consistently fine in the middle of the fairway off the tee and that's perfect for me because uh, I'm the opposite. So there's you, Roachy, against Munster and Hughes. Yeah, Munster and Jerome Hughes, yeah. How do uh, Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster pair up as a pairing on the golf course? Pretty deadly on the football field, yeah, but how do they go on the combination, um, obviously, in, well, in our team, they're, they're the two kind of chief playmakers. So they Munster's on the left, Jerome's on the right, and they kind of push all the traffic around and, and make all the big calls. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think I'll just try and work on that. I'll try and turn them against each other, you know, just while we're standing on the tee blocks. Munster is, you know, a brilliant front nine, and then and then he could play the horrible back nine. So he's very volatile, but he, his, his best goal's really good. But um, we'll be seeking to exploit it. He doesn't have a whole lot going on upstairs. So, um, you know, just putting thoughts in his head and, and just mental mental warfare, you know, kind of Steve War-esque. So, uh, yeah, really excited about that. I love the sound of it. I, I would like to be a fly on the ground at that tournament. <laughs> but so you're saying Munster's very gettable. Um, I could see that. I could, you know, I haven't, I haven't played golf with Cameron, but I've seen him play in the uh, simulator golf. And, you know, I can see how he might be gettable in that uh, mental department uh, in a golfing sense. What about Jerome? Jerome looks fairly solid. Yeah, Jerome's solid. He's kind of got an ugly technique, but it works, mate. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good. He hasn't played for a while, which is quick to, to remind us today. But, um, yeah, it, it's interesting you say it because I actually live with a, a Melbourne Rebels, one of my um, schoolmates, and he, he he plays for the Melbourne Rebels. And so I've played a few times with those boys, and they're, most of them are members at Spring Valley. And it's a really different uh, vibe. Uh, it's kind of when the Storm boys play together, it's almost – uh, a bigger celebration when one of them have a bad shot compared to you playing a good shot. Whereas uh, I play with the Rebels boys and they're very kind of positive towards each other and celebrate and just try and hit low scores and lower the handicap. And uh, I felt a bit out of place there, to be honest. I had to bite my tongue a bit. But yeah, so the, I suppose there was a contrast in, in the two different teams and I suppose how they go about it. I, I prefer probably our way because it's, uh, it's good banter on when we're, when we're playing. When did when did you come to golf? When did golf find you, or you find golf uh, as part of your sporting pursuits? Um, it was kind of first year in Melbourne. Um, yeah, kind of. I'd play a little bit in high school, but not much. Kind of hung around a little par three, chip and putt, uh, and then you know, as we've discussed, um, this Melbourne Storm environment and, and being a professional footy player, it's quite an intense, um, particularly at the Storm. How very analytical and lots of video and lots of, uh, you know, every session's filmed and analysed and every basic move of that you're doing while you're on the training pitch or, or playing games, it's, it's kind of full on. So uh, I really found golf a nice little uh, getaway, uh, you know, get outside um, on our days off and kind of switch off and 
and really enjoy that kind of aspect of golf. Uh, I think it's uh, really good for the mental headspace, well, for me, and, and I think that's why we, uh, I think a lot of professional athletes uh, take to golf a bit because it's it's still a sporting activity, but they can kind of switch off a bit from their, their main stress. Do you... When you're in season, do you have to take carts, or you get do you get instructions on you know how many miles you can put in your legs or can't put in your legs in in that example? Uh, not really. I think um, yeah, we, we we do use carts heaps, um, particularly in pre-season. That's when we're getting towed up the most. But yep. you know, I do feel a bit bad when kind of four twenty-year-old boys are getting carts, and um, you know, you've got some older guys ahead of you walking around, and they kind of look at you going like, "Why, why you guys got carts?" Um, but yeah, it's kind of—I suppose—it's more about your back and um, physios kind of keeping an eye on that if you're if it's affecting your training and, and your weights. Have um, you know, do the physios ever take a look at you know, your, your golf in in terms of you know, oh, you know, you've got a bit of a niggle here, no golf for you this week, or is there anything like that happening? Yeah, for sure. I think I think the gym coaches and physios do take that into consideration. They they know who the golfers are in the squad and. And obviously, there's a bit of banter throughout the week about you know who beat who, and um, yeah, like I, I think leading into big games like finals and that, I, I generally put away the golf clubs, yeah, um, just in case because on your days off, kind of just resting a bit more and maybe doing a bit of, you know, I, I suppose body recovery and stretching and you know ice baths. So there, there is a time for it, and and I suppose there is a time where you just want to take out all chance of affecting your performance um, for those big games but uh, it plays a big thing and, and and even into the rep teams you know going into origin um, you know we we're in lockdown in Gold Coast and we couldn't leave but there was one exception made that we could go to Royal Pines um, every Thursday morning I think it was oh, not, not Thursday kind of every Saturday morning if we could tee off I think it was about 5.30am they'd opened up the course for us and, and basically we could play as long as we could until a uh, member of the general public showed up and then they'd ferry us back. And, and it was kind of bizarre, mate. We were there um, playing golf, you know, heaps of the boys got in it when the origin camp and then, you know, the Department of Health, the, the Queensland health reps were driving around in buggies just making sure we weren't doing anything wrong. And um, But I think that just represents, um, you know, the, the benefits of golf and, and kind of getting out with your mates and, um yeah, I think it was really beneficial, particularly when we were in that COVID bubble. And I, I know firsthand, uh, you know, when you guys went up there and when a lot of the AFL teams um, were up there in similar sorts of parts of the world, it was it was like a frenetic um, rush to the golf shop when they announced that everyone's taking off and getting out of Vic, um, Victoria. You know, travel bags, new bags, new sets of clubs, you know, like guys who had never played golf before going – all these other fellows are going to be playing golf. I better join them, can't beat them, join them. It's been, you know, part of the, the golf boom, I guess, is, is seeing all these guys do that. Um, we, we, was it just you guys playing at Royal Pines or did you have to share the course with, you know, some of the AFL fellas and all that sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, I suppose that was when we were in Queensland Origin Camp. Yep. Um, but, yeah, when we were at uh, Twin Waters, we were sharing with uh, the, the Demons, the Bombers, uh, Collingwood were there. North Melbourne were there for a period of time. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of uh, – we'd, we'd brush past them. There's some nice courses there, Twin Waters, uh, Marucci Rivers. Uh, there's the Palmer course. So, yeah, I think a, few of the, a fair few of them were having a good hit. And obviously up in Queensland at that time of the year, it's, it's really nice compared to the Melbourne weather, uh, Melbourne winter. 
Um, but it's, it's funny you say that. Like, that was one of our major things. Uh, and we were lucky we had Cameron Smith, uh, who's an avid golfer, and I think he's a member at Q. Yep. Um, and, and he kind of said, hey, well, you know, they were saying, oh, we're not sure how much room for bags and how, how much stuff we can bring up to the Sunshine Coast. And, and he said, hey, fellas, you, you'll be making space for my golf clubs. And, and basically, whoever wants to bring their golf clubs will be making sure there's a bit of room in the truck for those fellas. So it's pretty handy when you've got probably the greatest player in all time uh, backing you up and going, hey, this is important. Let the boys bring their clubs up. I couldn't imagine um, being on anything other than the losing side of that argument with uh, Smithy. As you say, (laughs) in in my time and probably other people's times, um, one of the biggest influences on Melbourne Storm, obviously, and uh, you know the game, just what he's achieved. You know, how many games has uh, he played now? I think it's about four hundred thirty, four hundred twenty something, and you know, and then you throw in fifty origins. I think similar amount of tests for his country. Uh, it's an unbelievable amount of footy and uh, yeah, an amazing career. But also you, you add all that up, all, all the camps, I think it was uh, or just from state of origin alone, it was over a year away in camps of his life, mm. uh, away from his family and kids. And obviously they're great camps, but just shows you how, I suppose, to go that long, how much um, you know time's needed. Is Smithy any good of a golfer? Yeah, it pisses me off. He's pretty handy. Um, yeah, no, he's he's a good player. So <laughs> he took my cash uh, a fair bit actually. So it was a bit disappointing. Generally, that's a it's a bit of a bit of a trend with me handing cash over at the end of the day. But um, no, he, he was probably our best golfer. Um, Cameron Munster is erratic, but he's a very good golfer as well. Um, but yeah, you know, for our standards, I think so. You know, compared to other clubs, they're probably not that flash. Well, you never know. Um, now let's keep talking about your golf for a sec. Um, we you you got into some new clubs there, what eighteen months ago, two years ago, whatever. But you know, what was the difference between you know your old clubs and and getting some new ones? What sort of things did what happened when you you know went through all of that? I've got to get some new gear. Mm. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I still had. Well, when I got down to, to Melbourne, we went to I think Golf Outlet, and I bought a brand new set bag. Drivers, irons, um, balls, tees, and I think it cost me $300 flat, which was a bargain. Mm. Uh, and that was perfect for me at the time. I was pretty new to everything and just wanted to get out there and play golf. And obviously didn't have that much coin because I was in the, the youth Melbourne Storm team at the time. So um, kind of hit those around. And then um, obviously we became friends and um, yeah, started playing a bit more and yeah, it was, it was, it's really nice having some clubs that can help you out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it's, as I said, it, it's a, it's a great sport to be involved in and, uh, I thoroughly enjoy playing golf. So, um, just trying to, to get better and sort that out. I was just going to say, just to put it into perspective, cause you know, being rugby league, you know, like a lot of people still, you know, don't know rugby league in Victoria, but they you know, obviously know who you guys are, but other parts of the world, rugby league, it's a big tough man's game. I played it once, uh, played it for a couple of years uh, back up in Cessna. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I was, was a rangy second row. I scored a couple of tries in front oh. of a couple of, <laughs> couple of good tries in front of the school. Uh, played, oh, we love that. Played in a grand final against uh, uh, one of your teammates' uh, dads, actually. And, um, oh. Yeah, it was, and, and it was a good time. But uh, it was actually one of the reasons why I stopped playing golf as a 17-year-old because I thought I could play rugby league, which was 
which was just a dumb thing to enter my head because <laughs> I, I was a very good golfer compared to rugby league. But um, but for people who don't know you, you know, you're a prop. You know, you're a hundred and whatever kilos. How many? Yeah, about 112, yeah. 112 kilos and six foot six, four? Six foot four, Six yeah. foot four. Yep. So there's a fair degree of um, chance that you're going to need some clubs that aren't off the rack type of clubs. And I think when I first saw your <laughs> clubs, you know, like it was like, hang on, what's going on here? Uh, these these don't fit the uh, 110 kilos uh, of uh, yeah. pure muscle and power. So we got you sorted <laughs> into some, some clubs that fit you and um, really nice clubs at that too. Do you? Did you notice a difference when you moved into these new new bats? Yeah, definitely. I um, yeah, it's just you, you go up in quality and um, you know, and just to to stress, they're not blades or anything. You know, there's still plenty of middle. I think that I can still hit the ball pretty straight. And yeah, it's just it's nice knowing how far you can hit the ball with each of your clubs. And um, uh, I was lucky, Chase Blair, who's a, a friend of the podcast, I think, and um, he. He kind of donated a couple. He's a massive golf um, fanatic, so he he gave me his Cobra driver and he gave me one of his putters. So I've kind of picked up a, a few things on the way. So slowly, slowly getting it together. Now that was the original golf team, wasn't it? There was Blairy, who's now playing uh, Castleford Tigers in the in the UK Super League. Uh, Stimo up in uh, he's still at Canterbury. Um, who else was there? There's yourself, Munster, Jerome, yeah. and and yeah. then and then the others. But um. You know, in in the house, you know, when you're living there with Munster, you know, does a porterhouse steak have a bone in it? Yeah, hey, that's a good point. And absolutely nothing. That's what's going on upstairs with that fella. He he thought, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to go get the tattoo. And it's, this is for a house. We called it because we live in Port Melbourne. It's called the porterhouse. It was four of us living in there, young, four young idiots. And, um, you know, good cut of meat, good quality. Um, so... But little did he realise he's come home with a massive T-bone tattooed on his on his <laughs> hip, thinking he was a hero, and we had to point out, <laughs> which was pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, that that was good fun, and obviously the four of us, uh, Dean Britt, who's also at the Bulldogs, um, we'd play quite regularly, and and we're all about the same. So it was always good fun. And mate, let's talk about your footy for a bit. Um, it's been what you've had three NRL grand finals now, one. Yeah, one last year, uh, two state of origin series. Is that right? Yeah, yep. One the twenty twenty series as part of the, you know, the 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 squad, the all conquering Queenslanders. Mm. Um, you know what's what what do you value more, an NRL championship ring or a state of origin win? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting question because. Uh, at the storm where we're lucky to have a great crowds at Amy park, but it's, it's not a, a huge venue. And, and when you play, you know, at Suncorp stadium, which is our kind of premier rugby league stadium in, in Brisbane, 52,000, you, you're generally playing against the Broncos who, you know, they hate you, the crowd there. Um, and then if you play in a grand final, you'll play against 80,000 fans, but it's a Sydney market who, who hate the Melbourne storm. So you're not really used to being, I suppose, loved and cheered and adored by the, the crowd. So I'd probably say that the, the premiership meant more to me because um, these are the guys that you, you've known for years. Um, you know, some of those guys like Munster, we, we came to the club as 18-year-olds and 
kind of been really good mates ever since and we've worked our way into first grade and and to win a premiership with those guys, especially after losing two grand finals for myself. Um, I think that meant uh, a, a bit more, but I think the origin, that game three at Suncorp, uh, where we're in the decider and we won, I've never experienced, it was such a surreal moment, uh, probably more surreal than that NRL grand final, as in the actual event and, and walking around the sideline with the shield and I had 30 family and friends, my parents, um, but that was, yeah, it was pretty amazing, particularly how written off we were in that series, kind of, you know, I think it was the 40th year of, of origin and there was plenty of articles coming out saying this is the worst Queensland side in, in 40 years, basically, and, and that we're going to get pumped and, and whatnot, which was just fantastic because it just, uh, you know, having the master coach in Wayne Bennett, um, you know, kind of just to pick at those uh, articles and, and get the group uh, in the right mindset uh, and approach and it really fired us all up. And Wayne won't coach the Maroons uh, next year. Um, but, you know, talking about that, picking at the articles, does does he use that as fuel? Does it, how, how does that sort of go in the locker room with that, giving away secrets that you, you shouldn't or couldn't or can't? But, you know, how does, how does a Wayne Bennett, who is a legendary coach in rugby league from as long as I was a boy, um, yeah. how does he use that as fuel? You know, what, what, what sort of leader, leader is he? You know, you've, been, you've worked under two of the best leaders in the, in the game, Belly, yeah. Belly Ake and, and Wayne Bennett. What does Wayne Bennett do to fire and inspire the boys? Yeah, I think um, he's just a really lovable guy and, and full of banter. And, and that's what a few of the boys ask him, like, you know, He's 70. Why are you still doing this, mate? And he goes, mate, there's there's nowhere else in my life where I can get this environment of, you know, these guys in this, you know, that team environment, the bonding and the, and the mateship. And he said, mate, I'm, I'm just addicted to that. Um, and, and he was great. Like, uh, I think it was two days into camp in the Gold Coast and I, and I dropped a ball and he goes, oh, Welch, you know, you, you would have caught that if it was a cheeseburger, you fat fuck. And I was like, look. Jesus, like, I barely met the fellow and he's laughing and, and carrying on. And then, you know, we had to get regularly COVID tested and, and Kurt Capewell was there and, and, and he got tested. He walked back in and he goes, oh, Capewell, how'd you go? Did you, did you fail your COVID test already so we can fuck you off? Like, I know I'm swearing. I shouldn't be swearing, but he, he's a real kind of man of the people. He sits in the backseat of the bus. He's always playing cards, 500. Um, not a whole lot of strategic stuff. Um, but he's, you know, obviously he's got, he can delegate that to, to like we had Mel Meninga, Neil Henry, two very qualified coaches. Uh, but I think he's about uh, getting the group on the same page, bonding and really driving towards a common goal. Um, and so he's, he's obviously a bit different to my NRL coach, Craig Bellamy, who's, um, you know, all about toughness, hard work, you know, uh, training really, really hard. So, you know, you can execute under fatigue and, um, and, and he's quite a serious guy. It's the front seat of the bus doesn't really, um, uh, come to many club drink cups or anything like that, but obviously commands an amazing amount of respect by the group. It's just, I suppose, in a bit of a different way in, in the trust of, of his work ethic as a coach and, and how he prepares his team. We know we're going to have the best chance of, of beating that side each week. Um, so, it was really, really refreshing, to be honest, because it's been a long year in lockdown and, um, 
to, to have, I suppose, a bit of a different take on, on rugby league. And I think that's what's so great about sport is there's so many different ways to skin a cat. You know, there's, there's not one way, one best way to, to coach or, or to play the game. So, yeah, I really enjoyed meeting Wayne and, and I think he's perfectly suited to, to Origin. Now, mate, you know, for me and following your, your journey, and you've always been very kind and very generous with your time uh, to me and, you know, you've, I've still got my little storm jacket that you gave me there and, you know, I don't get to many games. You know, I'm a, I'm a product of a soccer environment and that's what was so strange about me playing rugby league because I had no idea. But, um, you know, I spend most of my time at Amy Park in the soccer environment, but I have been to a few games and I'm actually blown away by the crowd that, that you draw down there, you know, like it's both tiers of the Amy Stadium, um, very vocal, very parochial crowd. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a, there is a lot of love, genuine love and support for the Melbourne Storm, and rightly so in Melbourne. Do, do, do you feel that? Do you feel it's growing? Or Yeah, I think so. I think um, the guys, you know, our club's just over 20 years old. They've done an amazing job. The, the guys who came and founded it and worked in Demountables, and, and literally no one cared about the game or knew the game, and, and they knew they had to build... They knew they had to play good footy, attractive footy, make a, a great game day spectacle for fans to go to. It used to be the graveyard at Olympic Park. But mm-hmm. they also knew they couldn't carry on like dickheads and, and get in punch-ups and, and, and be disrespectful. And that's been a big mantra at our club, uh, and particularly in Melbourne, is you know, you know, building the trust and the loyalty of, of locals. And, and we know we're never going to you know, beat the AFL in Melbourne, but if we can be your second second team that you go for if you're a Collingwood and a, and a Storm fan, you know, we love that. And and it, it, it's such a great city, Melbourne, that they just get behind, um, you know, whatever sporting team or, or whatever's on really, isn't it? They, it's, uh, it, it's a kind of, yeah, it, it's a great membership base and we're very grateful to have them and, and we're slowly growing and getting bigger and bigger and, um, yeah. In in talking to your, you know, colleagues, mates and, you know, like the Stimos and the uh, Dane Brits and all that that are now back in, in Sydney where rugby league is the sport, do, do you get sort of shielded from a lot of that limelight? Are, they, are those guys in the limelight and having to deal with that sort of stuff and, and do you not get that so much down here? Yeah, I, yeah we certainly don't get the limelight. We you know, Cameron Smith and Cameron Munster can – they get recognised by that. Not not by too many. They can go out and have some beers on Swan Street, and, yep. um, and you know certainly not on that AFL level. Whereas in uh, the NRL in Sydney, and to be fair, like we've had plenty of dickheads who just do stupid shit as well in the NRL. You know, there's no excuses. But also, I think there's a different mentality uh, with the the Sydney media in the NRL. It's kind of um, you know like dragging players, dragging the game down, making a name for the journos. Whereas I, I don't know how the AFL do it, but they seem to really control the message really well. Uh, more positive promotion of the game and players through the media. Uh, you rarely see kind of the Herald Sun or any of those journals going after players. Whereas if you picked up the Daily Telegraph, um, it, it's almost different kind of journalism. Mm. So, uh, well, that, that's my personal opinion. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting one of us. Yeah, well, you know, geez, the, you, uh, you reminded me that the Storm's been around for 20 years because I went to the very first Storm game uh, down there at Olympic Park and it was I can oh, see crazy. Why, yeah, I can see I'm a pretty old dude. Um, <laughs> I can see why they why you, they referred to it uh, as the graveyard. I remember that. I, I think it might have been even the Knights was that first game. I can't remember, but 
you know, it was the club was founded by a couple of great Queenslanders, Johnny Rebo and um, uh, the bloke with the dark hair. I can't remember the other fellow's name, but um, Chris Johns, I think. Chris, yeah, that's it, Chris Johns. That's yeah. correct. Um, but yeah, it's certainly an institution down here in Melbourne. Um, you know, what I was going to ask you as well is, you know, I mentioned there that you've been very generous with your time. You know, I.e. tonight and with me in the store and, you know, there's nothing that I couldn't have asked you that you wouldn't have done and hopefully I haven't asked you too much. But, um, you know, you, you are a fairly philanthropic young man. You know, you, you're quite um, passionate in, in giving back and I think respecting and appreciate what the game's given to you in your position. You know, you work with camp quality. You know, that's been something that I've watched you do and been very, very, very impressed with, you know, what you give to them. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. It kind of first started um, when I kind of had my first major injury. I did my ACL in 2017. Um, and I was kind of kicking stones and, and really feeling terrible about how bad I've got it and how tough my life is going to be. Uh, went into Richmond up at the Epworth and, and consulted with the surgeon. And, and as I was walking out, I just remember kind of walking out through the hospital and, and seeing you know, people in wheelchairs, you know, permanent disabilities and, um, you know, lifelong illnesses that they've got to deal with day to day. And I just kind of thought, you know, like my issues don't mean shit compared to, you know, what a lot of other people are going through. And I, I just thought, you know, it was a moment of perspective and I suppose gratitude about how lucky I have my life. You know, even though it's on my knee, I, I could rehab it. I was still getting paid every month. Um, I was looked after. I didn't have to work eight hours digging holes and and, uh, and trying to rehab after. So it kind of gave me a bit of inspiration to, to reach out and help. Um, so I sent a few charities and Kent Quality got back to me and they were like, yeah, we'd love to get involved. We'd love to do this and that. And kind of uh, started with a bit of fundraising and involving some Storm fans and, and meeting them and having barbecues and at my place and then uh, become a registered volunteer and went on a few camps and and just to go on those camps and, and see the amazing work Camp Quality does and, and they work with kids and families affected by a, a cancer diagnosis from zero to 13, basically. And um, I, I, I always remember going to that first volunteer training and they had some obviously some veteran volunteers there to help out and meet the new people. And, and, and they basically said, you know, the first camp you go on, you, you think you'll be doing it for the kids and then every other camp you'll be doing it for yourself. And I, I think that makes you know so much sense to me and in you know doing something for someone else is so rewarding for yourself um i think for your mental space uh you feel so much positive about uh yourself and oh, did i just cut out there or? yeah you're right you go yeah yeah so but basically you know you think you're doing it for the kids at the start and then you know it's so I suppose rewarding and, and positive that um, you know I love being involved with the charity and, and the work they do. Now you mentioned there when you did your ACL, and I remember that time pretty clearly, and I was you know devastated for you. And I guess when you look at what you've achieved since then, you know not not everyone comes back from that. You know gets lucky to come back for it, but from it um, because sometimes those injuries you know have catastrophic effects on career but what did it take for you to come back from that to you know achieving state of origin greatness and nrl greatness in a in a premiership yeah i think um uh yeah in 2016 i was i was lucky to play an nrl grand final and we lost that uh 17 top of the ladder 
after nine rounds of going, here we go, we're going to get our, I suppose, retribution. We're going to, we'll finally win it this year. And then I did my ACL and, and sat in the grandstand and watched uh, the boys win the premiership, which I was so stoked for, but also just wanted desperately to be a part of, to be wearing a jersey and playing in that game. And then uh, 2018, got back to the grand final, um, famously lost to the Roosters and a one-armed Cooper Cronk. And then, and then in 2019, we're on top of the ladder again. Um, round 20, I, I did my ACL. So I've done my ACL twice, left and right, uh, one each. And then uh, to finally break through and win that in 2020, it was um, so rewarding and, and amazing. But I, I kind of, I'm very grateful to be a professional athlete and play rugby league, but it's not my whole life. I, I, uh, you know, it's great winning premierships and, and great doing that, but I, re- I truly like just love the lifestyle of, of going in with your best mates and, and getting better and banter and playing cards at the coffee shop. We've got a very privileged life, and I think they're the things I'll, I'll appreciate the most. Not necessarily, you know, obviously the grand finals and that, that that's an amazing thing to remember, but I suppose it's it's the life you have and, and the relationships you make, and I think that's. Uh, probably the most important thing is the, the friendships and, and the mateships. You know, I've had heaps of mates kind of uh, a bit of turnover, moved to different clubs, Sydney, Brisbane, but, um, you know, I've made some lifelong friends that uh, I'm always on the phone to when I'm driving home. You know, I've got a bunch of mates that I, I stay in touch with and I think that's what I really value in my time at the club. Do you stay in touch with your mates that, you know, ultimately leave the club and go to other clubs, you know, your competitors? Do you, do you, do you stay in touch with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a... And that's, we've got a, a real tight knit. I think there's about five of us. Uh, there's two of the Bulldogs and, and one of the Dragons and Munster and myself. And yeah, and that's what we're going to catch up is have a golf trip at the end of the year and hopefully maybe do Tasmania and maybe go to Gold Coast. And so that's why we're all also grinding very hard uh, before that because uh, there's a few egos on the line. But uh, golf's a great thing, you know, for, for our tight-knit groups that have, have gone other ways. We're always kind of sending photos of, of our rounds and, and catching up and planning little golf trips. So um, obviously COVID's affected that, but, um, yeah, pretty excited to get that off the ground. So what do you need to do to get your golf better, mate? What, what's the what's the plan? Are you just happy just going around or, you know, like do you want to get, do you yeah, get better? Yeah, I'm trying to get better, but I'm a flat-track bully. I go to the range <laughs> and I hit him beautifully. And then I go up to the tee block and I'm kind of thinking – you know, swing through, follow through, don't, you know, I just think about too much shit and then it just, one ball will slice and then one ball I'll just, you know, hit it 20 metres in front of me along the ground and I think my irons and putting's not bad but the driving, I just can't work driving out. It's it's really, I'm really battling. Well, we need to we need yeah. to try and help you get that sorted but, you know, you, you, I think... And my, and my ego's too big to get a driving iron. I, I just, well, not my ego but my, uh, I, haven't, I can't swallow the pill yet of that, you know, I've got to, pick up the one wood and, and give it a crack still, even though it's probably to my detriment. Well, it comes with being being a big brute and, you know, I get that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reasonable brute for an old fellow and I, I get the whole, whole driver thing. But, you know, imagine how big your ego gets when you, you know, and the score goes down like that and then, you know, you're holding, oh, yeah. holding the trophy. That's that's the real the real winner. But you, you said something there and, and I'm not a, a mental performance coach by any standards, but I do another podcast called The Mental Mastery Golf Podcast with Jamie Glazier who coaches Lucas Herbert, you know, European tour winner. Ryan Ruffles, Gabby Ruffles, uh, and a handful of other elite athletes. And, um, you know, when you said, oh, I'm on the tee and so much going through here, you know, that that's probably the first route to the ball going left or right. Yeah. And yep. I, would, I would challenge you to think if, uh, you know, if you get the ball, you know, second out, you know, from, from Hughes or Munster or whatever, 
you're probably not thinking too much about what you're doing then. You just you just know innately what you've got to do. And golf's a little bit like that. You know, you just step into step into the commitment and just know where your target is and just send it there. And easy to say, hard to do. But uh, <laughs> I know. I need to get better at it. I need to just step up, swing. Now, mate, um, I guess uh, you know, I'm conscious of your time. It's getting dark where you are. Um, you got any questions yeah, for me? Is I'm- there anything anything you want to know of me? Any questions of golf questions that, you know, go through your mind on, you know, that, that uh, need answering? Um, I, I, yeah. We'll send- I, I've got many on-course questions. I don't know how Blake spin the ball. Like, I'm just a mate. And I just, uh, yeah. So when you, That's what does my head in. So you're talking about when you hit a pitch shot 100 metres and the ball hits the ground and spins and checks up. So who does who does that in the group when you're watching them? Is it, I, I'm going to hazard a guess it's probably Munster that does it best. Oh, uh, Probably none of them, to be honest. I just—I right, okay. recently watched the Tiger Woods doco uh, on ESPN, and mm-hmm. um, they're amazing control, and they're, they're incredible athletes in their precision. And yeah, I'm in awe. Mate, we, you probably need to come down and see see Chris or get a lesson because they're all very fixable things, yeah. and and it's just. Yeah. It's like kicking a footy, mate. You know, you kick it that way and it goes that way. You kick it that way and it goes the other way. And the golf, the golf ball is the same sort of thing. It just reacts to whatever forces get put onto it. Um, mm. Now, mate, I, I reckon, uh, you know, I reckon I should let you go. I, we've had half an hour of good chat. I think we've covered off a bit of your leadership, uh, a bit of your, your career history, a little bit of your golf love. You've had a whack at Munster. Uh, you yeah, said, I love it. You've said that Jerome Hughes has a has a has a Odd swing, but it's fairly terrible fit. technique. It is so ugly. I'd, yeah, I'm, I'm, awful. Have a look at his technique. Yeah, you know, because yeah. no, it's I'll not. I'll video it tomorrow for you. It, I've well, I've seen it, and it. Oh, you've seen it. Yeah, um, it amazes me. As well. It doesn't amaze me because you know what? It's so simple. It works so well because it's yeah. so simple. It's a short swing. He gets the club straight back to square pretty effectively, and there's not yeah. too much movement, and there's not too much going wrong. He's probably not as long as you, and he's probably not as long as many of them, but. He's ridiculous. He'll be ridiculously straight. Yeah, and no, that, he is good. And that has a that has a annoying effect as a competitor because oh, you, know, yes. you don't want you don't want him to be ridiculously straight. But um, mm. that's his strength. Uh, they're they're all good boys, and you're surrounded by a, a bunch of good uh, good fellows who love their golf, and in amongst a great group of men at, at a wonderful club. And you know, congratulations on your success last year. And mate, thanks for coming down to see me. I hope those new grips, uh, those mid sized grips, fit your big paws suitably. And um, Yep. You play some good golf. And win Get some- in the drum and golf, boys. <laughs> Franklin Franklin Street franchise. What no. a franchisee. What a venue. What a venue. No, we don't talk about drum and golf on, the, on this podcast, but that's all right. Yeah. Oh, no, anyway, no, everyone knows that they can come and see me and, and get looked after yeah. as the same as they get looked after, as you get looked after. Mate, I appreciate your time. It's been good to chat and uh, keep up the good work. Good luck for this season. Uh, and more importantly, just keep playing good golf, mate. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, big man. See ya.